0: Please turn with me to the book of Judges. I know we've been in Proverbs, but we are coming to the end of a church year this week and the beginning of a new church year next Sunday. So in light of that, in light of Ed's ordination this morning, I wanted to learn a few lessons from the book of Judges from some less than stellar leaders that are in that book We in the U.S. know that the Marines are the few and the proud. And if you served in a different branch of the service, you probably have an argument maybe about that. But none of us could doubt the fact that the motto for the Marines is Semper Fidelis. It is Latin for always faithful. What a wonderful motto to have as a servant of a country. And there's no doubt the Marines have been the soldiers who have defended our country and protected its freedom and have done so faithfully for centuries. When I think of that Latin phrase, always faithful, I think of our servants here at Olive Branch who served the Lord faithfully. And as we come to the end of the church year, I want to say thank you for serving, and thank you for serving faithfully. Without you, we would not be able to minister to this community, to each other. There would be no way that the work of God could continue without you as servants. I know when it comes to enlistment time, we get a little bit anxious. I know when Sandra calls, some of you ignore her because you know she's going to ask you to serve. I know sometimes we look at a a list and we're concerned because there's a large list and there's few names, but I'm reminded when I see that, that I need to focus on the positive that we're doing so many things. That's why we need so many servants and so many leaders. You know, the easiest way to have all those spots filled was just not to have any. You know, if we just said we're not going to do anything, we'd have no problem then having ...a list or have no problem getting zero people to serve. So the fact we're doing so much is why we need so many. And so focus on that when it comes to this time of the year. But I did want to do this. I wanted you all who have served not only this year... ...but have served any year, have served in any way as a servant... ...here at Olive Branch or honestly in any church... ...because any church is part of the kingdom of God... And so we serve the kingdom of God first, more than a particular church. So if you have served the Lord in any way, anywhere, I would like for you to stand so that we can acknowledge your service to the Lord. And I'm going to applaud, and anybody else who's not standing can applaud. But as you see, and y'all can have a seat, it's really the whole church. And that's the way it should be. So thank you. Because I would imagine in some churches if I asked that there may be five people that would stand and the rest of them would be complaining about the fact that those five weren't doing enough. Okay, But here it's almost everyone. So thank you. Every Christian should be serving somewhere, somehow, because every Christian has been gifted. And with your gifts you serve the Lord. And so you are doing that. And I say thank you. Now, maybe you feel like the judges that are... In the book of Judges, I wouldn't call them the few and the proud. i will call them the few, the weak, and the fearful because there weren't many of them. They weren't very strong, and they certainly lacked faith and were very fearful. But if you feel that way or feel strong, think about this. Uh, I don't know if you know if you read my newsletter about Florida Man and how you can Google your birth date in Florida Man. You get these wild news stories. They're real stories. And it tells you how crazy Florida is. Probably you could do it for any state. You could do it for Virginia, too. But there were some Christians who came up with some clever headlines for the stories of Judges. So can you think about this one? Florida Man found murdered on toilet. Assistant thought he was constipated. And if you think, what in the world is that? That is a story in the book of Judges. I have the verses there for you. Judges 3, 12 through 30. That's when Ehud killed King Eglon. And the servants thought Eglon was on the toilet. They thought the reason he was taking so long was because he was constipated. But it wasn't, it was because he was dead. Because uh, Ehud had killed him. And so that is a story in the Judges. Maybe this one's more familiar. Florida woman accused of nailing man's head to the floor. Do you remember the story of... J.L. and how she took a tent peg and struck it through General Sisera's head and killed him. Wow, what a woman, right? Okay. You know, I'll probably recognize this one. Florida man tears lion apart with his bare hands after practicing on goats. Doesn't tell parents. That is the story of Samson. And he did do that. He tore a lion in two. But he didn't tell his parents. I don't know what the point of that was. Here's another a headline from Samson's life: Florida man beats a thousand men to death with donkey bone gets regrettable haircut. One reason I like the Book of Judges is because it has lots of crazy stories in it. But unfortunately, the reason it has crazy stories in it, it isn't because it was a crazy time in Israel's history and not a very flattering time in Israel's history. And so, I want us to learn four lessons depending on how you feel. Maybe you feel like the few and the proud and you're ready to serve the Lord. Maybe you feel like the judges and you feel weak and you feel unworthy and you feel like you're worn out. Whichever way, I pray, these four things will encourage you. First, I have some news that's not very encouraging, but it's very important. And that's that sin prevents blessing and brings suffering. The book of Judges is a crazy book But as I said, unfortunately, it's because it was such a depraved time. In fact, I've preached the book of Judges here at Olive Branch and other places. I never preach the last chapters of the book in a public setting because they're so depraved, disgusting, not suitable for public announcement preaching. Isn't that something to think about, that a part of the Bible... ...is so bad that a preacher can't preach it from the pulpit. That's how depraved the Israelites were... ...because they never broke from the cycle of sin that they were trapped in. The book of Judges begins when the people of Israel... ...should have been celebrating and conquering and having more victory. Remember, God delivered them from Egypt. He had to discipline a whole generation for 40 years in the desert... ...but in the book of Joshua... God sends them into the promised land finally, and they are victorious, and they conquer. And the book of Judges should have continued that, but it doesn't. Because God had told them, conquer all the people there, take the land, it's yours, worship me and me alone. But the people didn't do that. When they got in the land, they kind of liked the people that were there. They kind of liked, not them because they were nice people, but they liked them because of the sin that those people committed. They joined in with the sin. They joined in worshiping false gods. They they joined in the depravity. And God would not have his people act like the pagan, heathen, sinful, godless people of Canaan. And so God would bring discipline. He would bring an oppressing leader or an oppressing army to discipline them. And they would suffer and they would hurt. And as we often do when we're hurting, and we're suffering, we cry out to God, and they cried out to God and said, God, help us. And God did. He would bring a deliverer, a judge, a, a woman, Deborah, or a man like Samson or Gideon, to come and to bring deliverance from the enemy. But what happened was once they stopped hurting, and once the pressure was off, they went right back to the sin and the idolatry that they loved so much. And what got worse is it wasn't just a cycle like this, it was a cycle that descended into more sin and more depravity. And the times of oppression got longer and more intense, and the times of peace and deliverance got less. And the people by the end of the book of Judges, you read it, they are in a dark, dark place because of their sin. See, we will never be the, the individuals or never be the church that God has called us to be if we have sin in our life to which we are chained that takes our life and drags it down. The one lesson to learn from the book of Judges is to be freed from sin. By confessing it and accepting the forgiveness of God and living a life of righteousness and holiness, and then God's allow is able to bless us and able to strengthen us and able to use us to do great things for Him. We need to constantly evaluate our lives to see if we're in that cycle of sin. We really, as a church, need to see if we're being obedient to God. That's where churches as a whole sin. If they don't teach the Word of God or they don't obey God. So because we're at the beginning of a church here, take that time to look, evaluate, get the sin out so that God can bless. Some encouraging words now. God's presence in our life is greater than our weakness. Maybe you feel like you don't know enough to serve God or you're not... uh, Strong enough, maybe, or not good looking enough, or not rich enough, or not well connected enough. Whatever you may think of yourself, know this whatever you have or you don't have doesn't really matter when it comes to serving God because you have this one thing that's more important than anything. You have God. And God in your life is really all that you need. When Gideon was called by God, God said to him, Go in the strength you have. Notice that the strength that Gideon had, God said, you got that, take that and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I'm sending you. But Gideon responded, please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's family. Gideon said, I can't do it. I'm too young. I come from the worst family, the weakest family. Go choose a different family down the street. Don't choose our family. Choose my siblings. Don't choose me. But God said, I will be with you. You will strike Midian down as if it were one man. Those are the most important words. I will be with you. In fact, sometimes God prefers the weak and God prefers the poor and God prefers the messed up and God prefers the sinner and God prefers people who realize they don't have it all together because then he can work through them and do great things and people see it and they glorify God, not the person who did it, because they see that person and say, well, there's no way they could have done it on their own. (laughs) They needed some help. And that person can say, yes, the Lord helped me and the Lord did it. That's what he did with Gideon. Gideon had weak faith. Remember, he was asking God over and over again, are you really with me, God? God, if you're really with me, I'm going to put this fleece out and let there be dew on it. God did that. And then Gideon thought, well, that was pretty stupid to ask. That, that probably happens every morning. Maybe get a little bit harder, God. Let me put the fleece out and now let it be dry and dew around it. Well, God did that. Well, Gideon still wasn't convinced God was with him. The night before the battle, God sent a dream to the enemy camp. And the enemy camp had a dream that revealed that God would conquer them. And when Gideon got word, he finally was ready to go into battle. finally believed that God was with him. You see, focus on what God can do and who He is more than on what we are. Especially if we feel weak or we feel like we can't do it. Also, know this obedience is more than giftedness. Maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you have so many gifts. Now, maybe you're great looking, you've got lots of money, you can sing like an angel, uh, you can play sports, and you can uh, uh, work on cars, and you can build houses, and you can teach Bible lessons, you can teach them from a pulpit, you can teach them in a small group. You can do it all! And so what God wants to hear, tell you is use those gifts for the glory of God and not squander them. Because the gift itself is meaningless if it's not used for God's glory. You know, Samson, he had godly parents. In fact, he had the angel of the Lord come to his parents and announce that he was going to be born. How many of you had the angel of the Lord come to your parents' house and say, you're going to have a child. Samson was set apart to God before he was even born, from the moment he was conceived. And the Spirit of God was upon him. So think about that. He had the Spirit of God. He was set apart from the time he was conceived. His birth was announced by the angel of the Lord. He also had this great hair, or at least it was long. Okay. So if you remember back years ago, some of you older folks can remember Fabio, the the male model and the flowing hair he had. I've always imagined Samson as having that hair. So this guy had great hair, and he had all of these gifts, but you know what? It turned into nothing. He let his lust and his anger control his life rather than the Spirit of God. And God used him in spite of himself rather than being the vessel or the instrument of God's power. I try to imagine what Samson's life would have been like if he had obeyed God. He may have been the first king of Israel. Who knows? Or he may have conquered the entire Canaanite area. Who knows what he could have done? But his anger and his lust controlled him. The gifts ended up being useless. The only way he got a real victory was at the end of his life when he's blind and he has to get the victory by tearing down the temple with his strength, but it falls on himself and he kills himself as well. What a sad ending to a life that could have been so much more. So maybe you are a type of person who's so gifted that you're tempted to think, I can do it all. It doesn't matter what gifts you have. It's whether you're obeying God. Gifts are to be used for God's glory, to serve others, not for our selfish desires. And the fourth thing we learn from Judges is to use what you have. Look at what these people did. As I said earlier, Ehud was left-handed. So he was able to shake the king's hand and stab him at the same time. All right? I mean, most of the time, that's why we shake with our right hand to make sure our person we're shaking with isn't going to hit us or hit, hit us with something. Shagmar killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. JL, as we said earlier, killed the general with a tent peg and a hammer. You know, Gideon, God saw his army and said it's too big. Can you imagine if the U.S. Marines gathered together for a battle? And the commander said, there's too many guys here. You know what? We've got to get rid of a lot of you, all right? In fact, we only need 300. That's all we need. And in fact, you've got machine guns. We're going to get rid of those. We don't need those. What we're going to give you is a pitcher that has a light in it and a trumpet. How many Marines do you think would sign up for that, <laughs> okay? But that's what God did. They defeated the Midianite army with trumpets, 300 of them. And Samson, in his anger, Killed 3,000 men with a donkey's jawbone. So the point is this. Whatever you have, use it to serve God and use it for God's glory. Too many times we focus on what we don't have rather than what we do have. And therefore we disobey God or we don't follow Him in doing great things. I'm thankful here to Olive Branch that when we hear God calling us to do something I have never heard in six and a half years... We don't have the money. I have never heard that yet. You hear that often from Christians and churches. God may want them to do something great. they have given them a vision. And then they say, well, we don't have the leaders. We don't have the money. We don't have the resources. We don't have the facilities. I guess we're not doing that. No, when God calls us to do something, we say, well, what do we have? And what do we have that we can use to do what God's telling us to do? It may not be much, but what we have, we're going to use it. And we're going to obey God. What a different attitude. And I'm glad that here at Olive Branch we do have that philosophy or we're going to do what God calls us to do. We we may not know how we're going to get the resources for it, but that doesn't matter. We're going to be obedient. I I never want that philosophy to change. In fact, I, I just pray that it continues and it gets better. That we even stretch our faith further. And start even doing more things with even less. Because God is in it, and He is doing it. Remember, when Jesus fed the 5,000, we focus on the miracle, but it has as much to do with the disciples as it does Jesus. Because Jesus told them, feed these people. The disciples weren't stupid. They could see there were thousands of them. And the first thing they said was, we don't have the money. That's what they said to Jesus. Jesus, we don't have enough money to feed all these people. It wasn't wrong. They didn't have in their pockets the cash to go buy enough bread for them. But they were focusing on what they didn't have, rather on what they did have. They had two things, and these two things were all they needed. They had a boy's lunch, and they had Jesus. That's all they needed. That's all they had. See, Jesus gave a command, feed these people. Their response should have been, okay, Jesus, we'll do it. We don't know how we're going to do it. We don't have the money to do it, but we'll find what we have, and we'll do it. In the end, that's what they did. They found the boy. They found the lunch. They gave it to Jesus, and Jesus is the one who multiplied it, who fed the the, the 5,000 plus. The disciples did it. And how much was left over? A basket full for each of them. In ministry, in life, especially serving the Lord, focus on what we have and obey God rather than focus on what we don't have. So in this coming year, I have no idea what God is going to call me personally, you personally, this church too. But when He does, our immediate response should be yes. Then we'll figure out the details. And God will give us wisdom. And God will bring great blessing. So, where are you today? We're going to close in a moment with a song. But it's a time not of just singing, it's a time of responding. I encourage you, if you are beginning or you're continuing service in this new church year, to do so with excitement, to do so with enthusiasm, to thank the Lord for what you have and use that to, to serve the Lord. If you feel inadequate, don't worry. Rely on God. If you feel too gifted, check yourself. <laughs> you bring that, that pride down be a little bit more humble and realize that giftedness doesn't mean anything if you're not obedient. If you haven't, don't have a place of service yet, God's calling you to do something. Listen to Him. Be His servant. Be obedient. And He will bring blessing. Father, I do thank you for those who serve. I thank you for those that you call who say yes. I pray now, Lord, that we would say yes to you as we sing and as we follow you as you lead. And I pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.